I remember doing a breakdancing performance to my mum and dad with a friend of mine, probably the Thriller, near two or three, in the lounge room. That's just a throwaway line, but that could be the most amazing thing I've ever heard you say. (laughs) Okay, if you weren't teachers, what would you be? Um, I'm just going to jump straight in and say it would be science or computer related for me. Right. Um, I, I was doing a science degree at uni and changed to art science when I missed learning English and and studying English and literature. Um, and I was good at teaching through working at Questacon. Um, but I, I can't imagine doing anything other than science, computer sciences stuff. So when you went to uni, was there a path that you wanted to take to? Uh, look, I had teachers that. I was I did really well in science at college and yeah. English, and they said you should do science, so I did, and it was really fun and I enjoyed it. I just missed that right. literature studies stuff, the art side of it. I really missed. Um, I was I was really enjoying neuroscience. Yeah. I, I I was sick of uni and maybe not quite good enough to do honors program stuff. Yeah. But maybe I would have if I hadn't been doing doing the art side of things. Yeah. Um, I did um, get accepted into Bachelor of Medical Research as my fir- like first thing out of year 11, 12. Right. Um, but that was at Sydney Uni, so that was kind of out of the question of going. But it was not, uh, you know, that's a side of it. I didn't want to be in medicine. Yeah. But research, research. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So maybe something like that. That's the best I've got. So did you enjoy the actual teaching part of like the degree and the, that learning? Because from, from, for me, Uni, doing English and drama and film studies, particularly English, the more I did, the more I enjoyed it, was, that was everything. And then I'd have to go to the other side of the uni, do boring teacher theory stuff. And I don't know why that was. I I think I just was, at uni I felt I had to just get through the theoretical stuff because I was just desperate to do the practical. I was desperate to get in the classroom. That's, again, that might be when I look back on it. I just, it didn't grab me as much of like, let's talk about art for two hours. Um, because I did a diped after undergraduate mm. stuff, All almost all of the learning at uni was awesome. Right. Almost almost everything. All. Um, there was only one unit of um, prehistory archaeology yeah. that I didn't enjoy because the lecturer was really dry in the delivery and it was a later year subject mm-hmm. and I just... I, yeah, that one I sort of stopped going to lectures to and he noticed. I think... <laughs> I think, and this is the first time it sort of popped into my head, so it could be, again, mm. <laughs> completely wrong, but I think I it was hard going from the art side where it was, what does everyone think about this, to then go to the education side where they're like, this is this. Oh. This is the theory. I'm just, we're just going to fill your head with the theory side of teaching and this is what teaching is. No discussion. Lecture, your readings. Um, I like the practical teaching things, like when we had teachers that were lecturers. I think, again, it was third year where we had a lecturer who was an actual teacher. Right. And she was like, you're task is to make a lesson plan then your task is to design a unit now your task is to 
design a year program. Hmm. So that stuff made sense. But when it was just, here's a theory. Theory, everyone got that theory? Good. Write hmm. about what that theory is. I don't know. I just I think I was just bored with that side of it more than the actual. The teaching and learning how to be a teacher I enjoyed. But all the other theory, I was like, whew. And by fourth year, that's all we, all I did because it was a double degree. I'd done all the arts. Yep. In, in, if I had my time again, I would have done the teaching and at least one more right. English subject. But it was just yeah, dry, just dry. Like, here's the theory. And you're like, cool, can I go and teach? I just I, I enjoyed all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest takeaway is the tutorials yeah. in the undergraduate science arts degree where I would be in an English literature tutorial and then the discussion would devolve and then people would accuse the science sciences of something and i'd be the hi i'm also studying science and then i'd be in the science tutorials now all those arts and i was was like floating in the middle it was really it was fun i i no i I didn't have that experience Mm. and then the dip head it was all super compressed into one year yeah so all of the practical and all of the educational theory stuff hyper compressed Mm. i loved it because it was really quick i enjoyed all of it i think yeah um if i wasn't teaching i don't know (laughs) <laughs> like I it's this fantasy realm of like yes. what would be my dream job would be like to commentate cricket <laughs> that would be pretty awesome um, that's, that's literally what it would be like oh what if I could just commentate on cricket and be good at it and just watch cricket all the time and get paid to talk about it that sounds pretty good to me I reckon you'd be good at that as well yeah I, and again like as a young person that would have been great I don't know about now it's a lot of things when you realise the reality of yeah. what it what it actually entails but yeah, that, that would have been probably if someone had said, you're not teaching anymore, what would you like to do? Oh, can I, can it, me and my friends just <laughs> commentate on the cricket like we do normally anyway when we're watching the cricket, sit in front of it for seven hours in a go and just talk? Yeah, that'd be it. Anyway, good question. Who asked that one? Was that Sam? Is that Sam, right. yeah. All right. Two. Oh, hang on. No, 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 no. That was Emily. That was Emily. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> okay, now... I think this is just getting back to Alison's questions, uh, which is, uh, let me just see here. Oh, the collective takeaway from the from the podcast, hmm. or or what it, what is it about doing it? Um, it's really intense. That's the thing that surprises me about doing the podcast. There's an intensity to it um, that I. It gets me every time, and I forget. It's just like really, because mm. you listen. It's act. It's active listening, or whatever you want to call it. But you do that for an hour, and have a really in-depth conversation with someone. Afterwards, I feel like completely wired and exhausted. Yes. So when I do, we're recording it in the day, mm. which is rare. So I'll be pretty wrecked this afternoon. Uh, but when I when I usually do it at night. I don't get to sleep for ages. Right. Like I, I'm, I get adrenaline. And yes. Just, ooh, that was, um, and it doesn't matter if the conversation was straightforward, uh, because you just get a lot of energy. Any, any of the podcasts is that's the key is that there's energy to it, even if we're talking about something really dark and serious, or if I'm getting Wiggins to do Desi Arnaz impersonation, <laughs> then there's the energy. The more energy you can chuck into it, the better. Um, and but what happens at the end is you're like, whoa, that was. It's kind of like when you teach a really good class. You know, when you come yes. out of a really good class, yes. and you're like, I'm really energized by that. 
you know, I the last few years I've taught uh, like a once a week English class, which is three to three and a half hours in one go, where you do the whole week of work in one lesson. Wow! And everyone at first says like, "Oh, how how can you do that? Aren't you exhausted?" And it's the opposite. If it's a good class, you just come out energized. Yeah. Like that was awesome. And yeah. oh, and it's three and a half hours. So it's kind of the same thing. If you can lock in on the conversation and you can focus, it gets pretty intense. It's intense no matter what you're talking about because you just, I can't just be like, oh, you're talking, whatever. I can look out the window. And that's the other thing about doing the podcast with my friends is if I met them in the pub, just distraction. Yeah. It's yeah. distraction or something's on the TV, whatever. You just, there's always a distraction. Once you take that away and it's just you two. And the surprising thing was doing it on the computer didn't affect that. That mm. was probably the biggest surprise. I thought it's always better to do it in the room, um, which it still is. But I was surprised by how easy it was for people just to be like, I'm going to be in my a little room in my house and tell everyone to leave me alone. And then it's going to... We just lock in and have no distractions. There are a couple of those mm-hmm. where the intensity was there and I didn't realise it was a Zoom thing until you mentioned it. And then it, like my brain went, hang on, there's no way that he could... Like, how are they in the same room? That doesn't make sense. Right. Uh, and it after... The, yeah, so I haven't noticed mm. a difference. That's been what's really wonderful. I just have to say Desi Arnaz... I was wandering through Bunnings while that was going on and <laughs> I just kept wandering yeah. to listen, to keep listening. That was just... And I just... Sh- yeah, I mean it's that, magical. It's, <laughs> he's been doing it for twenty years. It's still my, my, one of my favorite things in the world. Is to just him honk. <laughs> that'll do. I now I'm going to be controversial here. I think he's not actually doing Desi Arnaz. I think he's doing Eddie Murphy's impersonation of Desi Arnaz. Think about that. We go. We haven't even brought that up. <laughs> That's what I think. Because I saw that the other day. Popped up on a YouTube thing. I was like, oh yeah. Eddie Murphy talking about Desi Arnaz and I was like oh maybe that's what it is <laughs> maybe maybe Eddie Murphy sounds like a geese <laughs> yeah anyway yeah um, yeah cool alright okay this is uh, from Tom Griffith Ooh. I know he asked me what was my favourite song covered by the Beatles I had to clarify if he meant Beatles cover but he meant song Beatles cover that or a song that the Beatles covered, and he asked you what's the, your favourite song that Radiohead covered. Mm. And you, when I looked at that question, I was like, I can't really think of many songs that Radiohead have covered. Nope, I couldn't think of any. Didn't they do a whole set of uh, Joy Division? Maybe. I'm sure there's some Joy Division songs. Yeah, there are some Joy Division songs. Um, but I, the Beatles one took me ages because they're usually, on the albums, they're usually the least... Mm my least favorite i mean shout is the um twist and shout is the obvious answer because that's the most famous cover one of the most famous covers ever is twist and shout from please please me but my favorite probably cover is on the anthologies there's a live version of them singing um i've written it down uh you've really got a hold on me and that's probably my favorite yeah, Beatles cover. It's just the live version. They do a recorded version. I don't like it as much as the actual live version. I don't really know why. Oh, 
most of them I'm like, yeah, I don't know. They're giving a Ringo half the time and, you know, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, so I had to do research because I couldn't think of any. Yeah. Um, and I found a few. Yeah. And I listened to a few. And then I saw this Bjork one. And um, it's there's recordings. Radiohead does Bjork's Unravel. But maybe this is a bit cheating because it's really just Tom York playing piano and singing it. Yeah. Putting his own spin on a wonderful Bjork song. Um, and it's haunting and he brings a, he brings a different emotion to the, mm. um, unraveling, sharing, letting go of someone mm. type of lyrics. It's, it's good. It's good. And thanks to Tom for asking you that question because I discovered yeah, you that found because all of those it. different yeah. songs. Yeah. While you are away comes undone slowly unravels in a ball the devil collects it with a grin I love in a ball of yarn he'll never return That was a quick one. Thanks, Tom. One day, one day I'll record with Tom without messing up the... I think there's a two-parter. Who would you want as a guest? I think Anne-Marie might have asked this one. Who would you... Yeah. Who would you... Oh, no, it's Anne, not Anne-Marie. Who would you... Oh, I think that might be Anne-Marie too. Oh, never mind. You can invite anyone on the Chattering Classes, dead or alive. Who and what would you ask? And do you prefer to interview people you know? Um... I prefer to interview people I know just because I don't have a talent booker for a start. There's no agency working for me that gets guests on the podcast. So how would I ask people to be on the podcast if I don't know them? Um, that's a tricky one. You always want me to interview your dad. Yeah, and that, dad. That will be coming up in the next season because I've written that down. Okay, there you go, dad. Um, <laughs> But it is harder. It's way harder. Mm. Um, even even this season when I talk to someone like Hannah. Now, I haven't spoken to Hannah, as we said, for twenty over 20 years. Um, I just messaged her. I, I spoke to her earlier in the earlier last year or the year before because her dad was on You Can't Ask That. And I just messaged her and said, saw your dad. That's, that was awesome. Really brave. Fantastic. Loved it. And then we started talking a bit then. And then I just thought if I can ask her to come on. So having a shared, even a, a little linked history where we haven't spoken for a long time or even seen each other uh, is much easier than not. I think, is Adam the only one who I've interviewed that... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Who are... Oh, no. When I first interviewed Davian as well. Yeah. Um, those two were easily the hardest to do just because there's no in so the people i know i already know 
if I've thought about maybe I'd like to interview them, mm. or what tends to happen is they post something or they say something in passing, and I go, huh, that's interesting. I'll keep that in the back of my mind. Sometimes I write down what they just said, so then I can get straight into it. Again, they might have just said, oh, that that something happened to me like mm. that when someone else is telling a story, and I'm like, I'll just that's a good way into the conversation. So if I don't know the person, it's it's more work. I, I enjoyed hearing you work on those podcasts. <laughs> right, right. Re- it was it was super interesting. Yeah. Um, and and you felt out of your comfort zone a bit. Yeah. But then. The attention to listening. Yeah, was you got you got to catch yeah. it. And as soon as he started talking about his meat fridge, then you're like, "Cool, yeah. <laughs> done." And if you listen to that, he's for the probably the first few minutes of my intense questioning about what this meat fridge <laughs> actually looks like. He, you could tell again. It's that we're defensive about something I'm passionate about. Oh, uh, is is he real? Does he really? Is he really interested, or is yes. he just taking the piss? Um. Is he just being sarcastic, asking me about something I love because he thinks it's stupid? That's when you know someone that you don't have that, that at yeah, all. Yeah, you don't have those thoughts. And th- yeah. yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't be asking anyone who's going to be a future guest. I'm not asking if I'm not interested. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, as soon as, yeah, I think in that one in particular, you can track the moment. And then some, and then he mentions cricket, and I'm like, oh, right, done. That moment, it was like... Yeah, oh, Greg Matthews. <laughs> you don't know where you are. Because yeah. oh, let's talk about Greg Matthews. Um, but the sec- if you listen the second time I interviewed David in this season, it's completely different. It is. And that, that was probably for me, because I was like, oh, the first time I did this, it was hard work. Try- and the second one, I was like, oh, I've done this enough. And that's... Um, you know, that's probably part of it is that once you've done it enough, then you know you can do it. Yeah, yeah. Th- that helps, I guess. Did that answer that question? Yeah. Can I say who I'd like on yeah, the podcast? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Which? Well, I haven't even answered that question. I didn't yeah, answer it. You didn't answer it. Who no. would you have on? Eddie Izzard. Oh, that's a great answer. And that's oh, so if, I, if I was a really good podcast host, I would have just directly linked it to what I just said. It was because I've done it, then I know I can do it. Because Eddie Izzard wrote in his book, Believe something which I've always done and I've never heard anyone talk about it and I've talked about it a lot since and I always get the same kind of quizzical look which is he was talking about when he started out and he was doing street performing and he it was really hard and no one was paying attention to him he decided to borrow his confidence from the future and now I I it's not something oh I've always done that but I learned very quickly that in teaching, once you have a bit of experience, then when you have a new situation, anytime I've moved schools, mm. I've had the same thought. Of, yes. Can I, oh, are they going to like me? Is this going to go well? Oh, dear. Can I do this? Oh, I've got to teach Japanese or whatever. <laughs> oh, no, I've got to do that. Oh, now I'm at college. I've got to teach year 11 and 12 English, like high level stuff. Can I do this? It's always, well, I can't, but I will. And once I've done it for a while, then I'll know how to do it. So why don't I just get my mind to that future spot where I've done it all? Why waste all this time worrying about not being able to do it? Because you know in the future you would have done it. So just if you can just cut all that worry out, it makes things a whole lot easier. Mm. And it makes it now where you just go, oh, I could teach anything. I'm not telling people that I can teach anything because they make you teach anything. Um, 
but if something happened, then I'll, I'll go, oh, well, I, I reckon I'll be fine. It'll be hard at first, but I will know how to do it. And he, that's what I would talk to him about was this thing. When I read it, I was like, holy shit, that's me. That's, that's amazing. And I nearly asked him a question about it in person when I saw him live in concert and he came out and people were asking him questions and then someone fainted and people still wanted to ask him questions when there was someone getting medical treatment next to him and I thought, I'm just going to leave. This is too weird. Yeah, people wow. still... He actually stood in front of the fainted person who was getting medical treatment so that there was a... People bury, and people were still just saying, "Now, Eddie, I, oh, I wanted to say I, I love you," and you're like, "Yeah, that was weird." So maybe I'd ask him about that, mm. like when that happened. That's been, that'd be a good question to ask him. When I went to see you, someone fainted, and people still asked you questions, and you stood there and you answered it. Surely that was an absurd moment in your mind of the people talking to you, like. What is wrong with you? Did you ever think that? Like you, mm. Why are you still asking me questions? This person's fainted. <laughs> it's medical attention. But you, your desire to ask me this question you've always wanted to ask me overrides mm. this person. Weird. Anyway, so who's your person? My mum. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So it's it'll be 10 years ago that she died in... October. 10 years, Jesus. And just little things like um, being told she climbed over a fence to get into a Rolling Stones concert. And I, I'm not going to talk much at, at all, but there's all these questions that I never thought to ask. Right. Never had the relationship to ask. And it'd be kind of cool to have the chance to ask some of those questions. How's that? I went dark. Went a bit deeper than it's I expected not, to. It's not dark. That Rolling Stones question. Yeah. I would lead with yeah. that. That's a good opener yeah. to get them yeah. relaxed. And to, Or she would say, oh, you don't want to hear about that. That's <laughs> what my mum would say. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to hear about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that was good. That's, that was a great question mm. for, for making me go, oh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, that was another one where I was like, I don't know, like anyone? Oh, God, <laughs> that's hard. But yeah, then I thought, oh, I've, I've wanted to interview him and I thought, should I just email, find some way to email him and email his people? And but You've got 100 episodes under your belt now. Yeah. That gives yeah. some credence maybe to... Yeah. I can't even remember. Maybe I already have emailed him. <laughs> but you have to go through his people. Yeah, you do. I need a direct email. Anyone yeah. know Eddie Izzard's email? David, do you have Eddie Izzard's email? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, anyway, let's roll on. Right. One... And two, and three, and four. Oh, this is a good question. What's the first song slash artist that you remember? That's from my dad, from Clee. Clee. What a great question. That made me really think about stuff, like to really go back. What's the first song? The first song, I, I don't know. I don't know, if, again, if this is right, but the, the one that I thought of was... Uh, and I talked to Ellis about this, how we'd never seen our mother do a little jig, a little <laughs> dance, of, you know, like a random little dance, dance in the house to a song. I've seen her dance at weddings and things like that, but I've never seen her, like, you know, just do a little dance to a song that came on. But maybe there was one time that I danced with her when I was a little kid. 
and we, that probably happened more than more than just one time but and the song on the radio was there's always something there to remind me and oh. i don't know who sang it the 80s version mm. That's that's the first song that I remember, and then of course like Thriller, the album was like the first big deal, right? Where we got the album for Christmas, yeah, and they had the weird picture of him with the tiger, yeah. and um, and the weird art in the middle. No one ever talks about the artwork in the middle of that album is pretty weird. I don't know who did it. I I've should got look it that over up. There. You've got it over there. I might pull it out in a minute. It's pretty weird. It's pretty disturbing from memory, like a big monster thing. I want to say it's like. I mean, again, this is probably my childhood of my dad showing us things we shouldn't have seen. But it's always linked to uh, American Werewolf in London. Now, I don't think I'd seen it at age four or five, but you never know with dad. I know I watched it way too long. There it is. There's a tiger. Yep. Why have you got a tiger? <laughs> Strange. It's called Thriller and you've got a tiger. And it's look at his little pocket. It's got a... A little tiger printed... Pocket... Pocket handkerchief Yeah, nice. I don't think I'd ever... It's a very intense stare. I like it. It features Billie Jean, The Girl Is Mine, and Beat It. Yeah. The Girl Is Mine is probably the worst song on that album. I remember doing a breakdancing performance to my mum and dad with a friend of mine. Probably the Thriller. Near two or three. I mean... Lounge room. That's just a throwaway line, but that could be the most amazing thing I've ever heard you say. What are you talking about? Wow. Like a little pop and lock show? Do you oh, put, I don't know. Yeah, I'm doing. The... You put cardboard down? No, no, just on the carpet in the oh, lounge room. Fantastic. Well, Dad, if you remember that, that'll be incredible. Yeah, well, I'll ask and that'll be the first question. <laughs> Nick told me he danced. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's mine. Okay, um, so it. <laughs> Racking my brains, Beatles something, but I have very clear memories of listening to um, Octopus's Garden. Right. Um, whatever, I don't know where from. Um, uh, but the other two things I wrote down are, Dad used to have Eurythmics on all the time. Right. Um, and there was a phase where UB40 was playing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you, Dad, so much. Yeah. Like, such a great question. It just made me think what do, what yeah. really stands out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's all in a blur. This this is all stuff within a five, six-year period. Yeah. But Dad listened to heaps of different music, so... See, I was, I was the same. I was like, oh, it's probably the Beatles, but uh, I can't really place a song or anything. It, I mean, I think Dad probably would have had Abbey Road on, so Octopus's mm. Garden probably would, would have been the first thing to stick yes. in your head or, or the opening to come together, I remember. Mm. But, yeah, no, I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint any kind of Beatles... Billy Joel, Elton John. I don't know. Eurogliders as well. Eurogliders. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's some cool taste. My parents were very vanilla in their tastes in music, especially when CDs came out. You know, when you, again, like you buy, wow, that is that like 80s. Look at the, why is it, why does it have to be oiled up on the cover? <laughs> Hand drawn, oiled up. How good is that? City of Soul. Can't wait to see you. Absolutely. So many great songs. This is the moment in my life where I discovered that Grace Knight is in the Eurogliders. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. That's so funny. All right, cool. Great question. (laughs) Actually, that brings me back to when we started. Like, I had no format for this podcast. Yes. So all we did was go, I just stole from Desert Island Disc. Yes. Everyone who came on, I said, give me six songs or six movies. Mm. And then we talked about them. And after a while, that became limiting. That's what yes. I found. Because that was like, oh, I had to get to the next song. People are telling me a story about their mum. And you're like, anyway, <laughs> right, you put down here the Eurogliders. Like, it's, it just doesn't, yeah, it just, where, anytime I listen back, uh, that's one thing that changed was like, you keep cutting off these people who were just about to tell you a story. Yeah. Because you have to move yes. to the next thing. So as soon as you can get rid of that. Mm. Then I don't know when that changed. I, I couldn't even tell you when that sort of. And it was gradual because yeah. there was like format and then not. And then yeah, you know, and even talk more. even the episode with Justine, which I haven't recorded yet, but you would have heard it already. Um, <laughs> I know that's a weird time moment. Um, that all that's you know that was talking about specific films, so I still do it every now and then because it's. And we did the we did one on you know the Mel Brooks movies. Yes. Just whatever. Again, having a bit more freedom. Just mm. be like, oh, I want to talk about that. So I can just say, do you want to talk about Mel Brooks? My brothers were certainly, absolutely. <laughs> when was the last time someone said that? <laughs> Should we get together? All right. Next question. Oh, cool. What is your death row meal? <laughs> death death row meal again. Uh, I was like, all right. I'll just. Who was that? That looked like, oh, that was Sam, Sam Pet. Yeah. yeah, great question, Sam. Death Row Meal is. I went with like first response. Would be, a huge amount of high end, sashimi. Now what? Ah. That that, there was one. My last week in Japan, one of my students who was quite wealthy. He owned a sauce company that was quite famous. I can't remember which one, in Japan, and I didn't know until right towards the end we went out to dinner with a few of the students and someone was like hey Ken look and I was like what and he was like oh he owns that and I was like huh like Isakai likes this sweet barbecue sauce right. that he's at every single one of them wow and he was like oh he's the owner and I was just like what I'm be- I'd been to his house his family and, and uh, his family had lived in this house for 400 years uh, because uh, we went there for New Year's Jazz and I and each year they write their hopes and wishes on a piece of paper and they put it above the door. Wow. And this thing had like a big, I guess, A1, like the yep. huge sheet of paper. They would do the calligraphy on it and it had 416 pages to it. And he was like, that's wow. my whole family. Anyway, he took me and a couple of friends to a high... I don't know if it was even high-end. I, yep. I went nothing to compare it to, but it was easily the most high-end restaurant I went to in Japan. And it was just sashimi, and I could eat that for hours. You just never felt full. It was just served on ice and just 
beautifully cut and melt in your mouth. And I would eat a cronut <laughs> for dessert. <laughs> that's that's a great mix of food. I don't know how that would meld, but yes. So, <laughs> is there a story coming, Nick? Well, look, I'm, I'm trying I'm trying not to spend five hours. <laughs> My death, the the meal I would like to eat on death row could not be served to me. Because my, I think really when it comes down to it, my favourite meal is a risotto that I have helped cook and that I've cooked together with my family. Right. And and I, death row, they're not going to let you cook. Well, they might. I mean, you could have Tom Hanks as your guard. He seemed quite reasonable in the Green Mile. If you said, come on, I could cook. So then it gets to the realm of fantasy because I thought what it would really need, it would make, need stock... Chicken stock that we made at home. So I'm just going to correct, just point out something yeah. that I said that Tom Hanks yeah, no, is I, your warden. That was that was by accident. Nick is not a fan of Tom Hanks. No, I in my head I went T Hanks. <laughs> thanks that little bloody sticker yeah, that, that, that sticker you put. I gave him. Yeah. yeah, I didn't mean that. Anyway, sorry. Um, and and but then you know, so this is my thought process. But if I made it, then it would the best one is when we've used chicken stock that we've made at home. Yeah, which is like how would we have chicken stock? Well, we would have had an amazing roast chicken. Yeah. So. If I could have, but it's, it's supposed to be your last process, meal. Right. But if I if I have roast chicken, well, they give you a timeline of when they're gonna. They don't go tomorrow. You're gonna die. You've got like years. So, so at yeah, some point. roast chicken. Mm-hmm. Eat the roast chicken. Great stock. Great gravy. Two everything. Meals, right. And then you use the carcass from the roast chicken. Yeah. To then make, make the, the stock, stock. To then make an amazing risotto, and then mm. you know, have some asparagus and maybe some more chicken. So I don't like o- chicken that much. Other people would have to eat. The chicken? Yeah, mate, I'd need some of the chicken. And that's your last it. meal. I know, see, that's where it falls apart. So what if we, you eat the chicken, and then you make the risotto, and then we kill you, and then we eat the risotto, and we go, cheers, Nick! Or, or, yeah. like a really good half cheese, multi-cheese, three different cheeses, including a blue cheese pizza, yeah. and the other half like a really premium pepperoni. Right. So, like, either because I, I've never, I, I've stopped ordering risotto at restaurants. Right. Because they're never as good as I'm what ne- I like yeah, making. It's never good at no, because you have to make it in bulk. Mm-hmm. You have to and you batch it and then you heat it up. You have to like it's a byproduct of being able to serve at a restaurant. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> some good risotto talk in this episode. <laughs> I didn't expect that. I love risotto, <laughs> and it's the meal I like cooking most. It's so rewarding. So yours is like the last meal you'd prepare. Yeah, I'd, but no, but, you I, want to eat but it. I'd want, I'd want. <laughs> what if your whole family was there going? Oh, yeah. While you were getting strapped in, I, I don't know why it's electric <laughs> chair. Why you getting strapped in? They go, this is a good one. This is a good one. While they're watching, having a bit of risotto. You know, thank you. Be nice. Your yeah. last, yeah. Whatever yeah. heinous crime you've done, you know, <laughs> your last moments were spent providing for others. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a bad movie, doesn't well, it? Well, it does. Sounds like a terrible movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we can stop rolling the dice. I think we've only got a few questions left. Okay. I'd watch that movie. All right. What's your best piece of relationship advice? Who needs relationship advice? I think that was Emily again. Best piece of relationship advice you've ever been given. So, Emily, I would say... Uh, I think this applies, and I'm going to be very general here, applies to a lot of men that I've known, uh, which is don't fix, just listen. 
But I think it applies to men in their relationships, but I also think it applies to all parents. Mm. Of yeah, don't fix it. Just listen. The question of like what, how would you like me to help you, is a question that someone taught me a few years ago, and nearly every time I ask my children, they either say I don't know or nothing. Yeah. You know, they just want you to listen. But in a relationship, it's a lot of, well, you, this is what you should have done. Or if it was me, I would do, nah, don't do that. Just go, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's great advice. Mm. Um, and when I tell you 12 students this, there's always boys are like, yeah, but what if you can fix the problem? <laughs> and the girl's always like, oh. It's like, Unless they ask you, don't. I've spoken to you about this before. I don't mm. know if it's been on a previous podcast, um, but when... And this applies to everything, like relationships with people in general, mm. and that's the um, the posing the question, I think, that you're thinking. And if you can, if you can say that to another person, which is yeah. very disarming, yes. because it's usually wrong. Yeah, and you and it's also yeah. vulnerable to oh, be like yeah. this is yeah. I think you're thinking and it's yeah. usually and I think we've said as soon yeah. as often as, as soon as you say it out loud, loud it like, sounds so outrageous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so wrong. Um and it's the it's the and you know, even saying that to myself now. Yeah. Like just sat, and it's like hang Absolutely. on, what is that's no what? Yeah. How weird is that though? Yeah. Where you can you literally will have that conversation where you're like, What do you think they're thinking? Oh come on! Yeah, <laughs> what? And you still sometimes still think it. It still doesn't go away. You're like, I've just realised that's dumb. Yeah, but it's not going away. This is the answer to another question that we had sometime in the past mm-hmm. thing as well. Yep. But it's about um, people are never as interested or focused on you. Yes. As you think they are. Yeah. And when I learned that, and I almost said it in response to something you said before, when I when I really truly realised that people really don't care about yeah. you as much as you think they do, that's so. Oh, it's just it's so freeing. Yeah. Um, and allows you to do silly things in front of people or classes or in public. Yeah. Um, because other people are just looking at you, going, "How on earth do they have the confidence to do that?" Yeah. Or they say. That guy's a dickhead. <laughs> and then that's it. They yeah, never yes, think of you yes, again. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And that's, yeah. Again, these are all things would have been useful to believe, believe when we yeah, were younger. That's right. Um, but it wasn't, yeah. No, it always takes just a little bit too mm. long to get to that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they don't actually... Because it's it's the ego of like, it's still the world revolves around me. Yes. Like I'm not. It's just you are literally making yourself a focus. Mm. Like, oh, that was done to me. Once you can get out of that headspace for so many things that happen in your life, I mean, I when COVID started mm-hmm. all those years ago, <laughs> the amount of people that were like their first response was like, no, this is ruining my plans. And it was a nice. I did the same thing, and it was a nice reminder of like, well, when it happens to everyone, yeah, we still think it's happening yes, to us. Yes, that's right. <laughs> That's most important. With oh no, this is happening to me. Well, no, it's happening to everyone in the world at the same time. But yeah, yeah, but me. <laughs> yeah, everyone's at the center of their own universe. Absolutely, it's really hard to shake that. Yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know, I don't know if you ever do. No. Is that what true enlightenment is, Nick? Probably. Probably. Trying to get rid of that, yeah. the death of ego, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Was that from our favourite meal? Have we been... <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. How has the podcast improved? That's This is what my daughter asked me oh. today. She said, how is it? You've done 100? Or how has it got better? Oh, that's a good question. That's a great question. I think I've talked enough about like what I think, how it's improved. Got a bit more like yeah, having less focus but more focus, yes. if that makes sense. Yep. Um, having a microphone, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's helped. I uh, Just get, getting better at listening and not talking as much. Especially when, when you get into those sort of darker things of just, I'm not going to say anything for a few minutes here. It's so great when you you're. I mean, but I, I you've always been really good at that. Mm. Um, and Thank you. and um, I, you know, I think I'm going to jump. I'm going to take over and just mention okay. this as well. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Um, it, the question from Rusty. Yeah. Is Nick <laughs> Rusty? Uh, is is Nick scared that Matt will turn every conversation into an episode? That's a great and, question. And the uh, it's a great question, and the answer is not at all. Huh? Not oh, at all. Right. Because of how structured this is, but yeah. but it makes me think to the car drive back from Sydney. Yes. Where you did the trial run that yeah. I didn't really know about that you were having a conversation with me. Yeah. But was a targeted directed conversation and the car ride went like that right and you were essentially practicing or yeah. whatever yeah um and you were good then yeah like that that was great but you've got so much better mm. and i know you. you use editing and stuff as well which is cool um but there have been some episodes in the last 40 yeah where just the pause the listen the focus stuff has been great yeah thank you That's, i think one of the mm. things is I learned is to, I used to get rid of every pause, but now I know there's some pauses that you need. Mm. You ask a really tough question, the longer the pause, the better it is. You can hear people thinking. Yes. And then when you listen back, you're like, like it's a, it's a trick. Yeah. Um, and that's how it's improved. And I think the link, someone asked, like my favorite episode. Uh, Anne-Marie Anne-Marie so Anne-Marie asked like what was my favourite episode and someone asked I think Matzer asked like what's the most disappointing episode I don't have a disappointing episode Um, some of the earlier ones are disappointing if I listen to them now I'm very disappointed (laughs) because I talk over the top of people or like I said the disappointing thing is when people are like and then alright we're going to move on they're just about to something's occurred to them and I've gone over the top and it still happens now and it's my most annoying thing of listening back is where they're like and oh and then i've haven't heard that in the moment maybe that's the the only thing about doing it on zoom is sometimes you miss those moments uh, of them having that realization in their face because i'm not always looking at their face on zoom because that kind of freaks Uh, me out yes um but in terms of favorite episodes like you, like you said, the, the conversation we had coming back from Sydney um, after Radiohead concert, and I was like, this is what I want the podcast to be. It was the first time I had that thought of like, if this was the episode, how would I start off talking about other things? And then gradually 
nudge you into talking about what I'm interested in and seeing how far I could not push you, but what you are willing to give back and then really listen. And like you said, the conversation goes really quickly. Um, so sometimes in the moment, I go, this is really good. And that, I think before, that may have made the episode go wobbly. But now I can almost edit in my head of, okay, this is going to link to that. And when it really kicked off was when I interviewed JC. And it was the first time where I was like, oh, this, I know, ex- I knew where it was headed. Mm-hmm. He was talking about him shattering his leg against oh. a tree. Oh. And it was just a horrible thing. He was, while he, literally while he was telling that story, maybe so I didn't listen to it fully. In my head, I was like, this is great because eventually he's going to tell a story about how he did the Hawaiian Iron Man. Mm. So in that moment, I was mm. like, oh, this is how you can sculpt an episode to be narrative. That's the first time that happened. We we're like, I knew where it was going and everything's going to link. There's going to be, a, this is the low point and it's time, it was timed right. So that's probably my favorite um, realization mid episode was like, this. we're in like the halfway point of this episode and it sounds like it's at its bleakest. And now I have to get to him to this point. Yes. That was really cool in the moment to be like, the listener has no idea that this is going to end that amazingly. Episode. And but I do. That was a cool moment. Um, Such a great episode. Yeah, and I. I mean, I don't have yeah favorites. I love the Murderino ones. That's why I want to do them again. This is harder to get everyone together. <laughs> but with Jazz and Allison and Emily, they're always just a debacle of me trying to control the three of them as they talk about why they like true crime. Um, and I haven't done one for years, but that'll be that's always good. Um, the episode with Sooty, like you said, yes. just because. Ugh. He because of him, he was like, yeah. This is what, I, and I also liked going back, realizing again, like it, t- it took me way too long to be like, Oh, I ended that, like, all right, thank you, because I just didn't know how to end it. Yes, and then as he said, I we recorded a little bit after that with Wigo because I said, I can't leave it at that low point. We need to number one, let everyone know he's all right, yes, even though, as Sudi said, we talked. Obviously, after we hit cut, mm. we talked, kept talking. Um, but I felt uncomfortable because I hadn't asked him that. And I felt like this is, I need to stop and say, yeah. is this okay? Um, and then I could finish with like, oh, and also we stole a picture of Yahoo Serious from yeah, the school. That's you right. know, like that, th- there are moments where, I, where I've realized like, oh, that's how we can edit to, again, to give it a bit of a narrative of mm. like, oh, I can end there, but that's it's just a, a void. So we'll come back. We'll still talk about it, debrief, talk about something ridiculously stupid. So that was pretty good. There um, is a disappointing episode. Ooh. It's in the archives. Oh, wait, it's... wait, wait. There was one more. Oh. Talking to Suki about Beyonce killing her dreams. One of my favorite moments. <laughs> that's right. Of the podcast. <laughs> was her thinking one day she was going to be talented. And then going to see Beyonce and going, oh, I'll never do that. I'll just stop. I'll quit all my dreams. It's just like amazing, amazing moment. <laughs> um, yeah, disappointing. Tom's lost episode. Hmm. And trying to recover the audio and being super <sighs> frustrated. Yeah. And hearing some of the opening remarks. But that's what happens sometimes. Yeah. There's been a couple of lost recordings through time and they're always annoying because obviously you yeah. talk for an hour and you're like, listen back and you're like, didn't work. Did not work. Um, yes. So what was quick? Oh, how has it improved? 
Did you answer that? I, I told you some things I thought were better, I think. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Uh, the other favorite moment. So favorite moments was, like I said, Suki saying that. Drez saying the people who had his work had a little pool of money going to try and predict what his next obsession would be. <laughs> and they were, and Drez, while Drez is telling the story, he's telling me what they came up with. And he was like, they're all ridiculous. Anyway, I'm really into looking into abandoned gold mines. <laughs> that's, that's probably my the funniest moment ever on the podcast was him. Like, no, all those things were stupid. Like, oh, no. Anyway, and then just got launching into looking up abandoned gold mines, which he's still doing. And I follow it on YouTube and it's amazing. Wow. And he's just, yeah, whatever he does, maximum intensity. Wow. <laughs> maximum intensity. Yeah, are we are we done here? I'm 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 scanning now. I think we're nearly done. Wait, there's more. Oh right, yes, Mark. So how does the how doing the podcast has changed how you chat with people day to day? I think we mentioned I mentioned that a bit before about how I can just eliminate the small talk. Mm. Um, but I think it's just it makes you go. All oh, right, everyone's got a cool story. But and I think I talked about it with Alison a few episodes ago, is that a lot of people have set stories that they go to, that shows them that how funny they are or a funny experience that happened to them. Um, but I find once you get through them, then it's better. Mm. The ones that are rehearsed and um, or they've told lots of times, funny as they are for everyone else. If I've already heard them, then it's harder for me to have that energy it's nice I, yes you know i can i've done this enough where it's great the the only uh thing that that doesn't equate to is when i had craig on and basically all i had was all his stories written down <laughs> because all his stories are ridiculous <laughs> and somehow i was there with a lot of the stories so that was different but usually if you can just get past and i've had guests who are like trying to steer it to this well this one thing i mean mm. you're like that's not as interesting as what we're actually talking about because you're not used to talking about this and again i think it comes down to vulnerability that people are a bit afraid of it that's why they say i don't want to do the episode because what have i got to offer i'm boring i don't have anything interesting it's i don't know there's something about people being vulnerable with confidence yes never put that into words before but that's Hmm. i think what it's like is like like you said that safe space that's the point of it is so then you can talk about these vulnerable things where if you aren't comfortable then you feel exposed and oh no everyone knows my secret the the thing that i don't quite get is what why this podcast why it works where people are i don't want to tell you in a pub but now i've recorded it and all these strangers are listening to it that's easier yeah (laughs) that that's a mystery still to me but it is yeah there's yeah. something about like oh there's still anonymity there's people i don't know listening to it but there are always people you do know listening to it who are probably hearing these vulnerabilities for the first time that's cool but it still surprises me when people like want to do it i'm always happy when they want to do it there's a few people who i've asked many many times and they won't and they don't want to do it don't know if I'm ever going to stop asking them. No. <laughs> Just in case they go, Just can, can we yeah. do it now? Yeah. And then I can do it. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I'm going to keep asking. So if you're listening and I've asked you and you keep saying no, I'm going to keep asking you and you can keep saying no. I'm, but I'm still, <laughs> I'm still going to keep asking you because you've be good, got good stories and yeah, be a good guest. Um, was that it? I think we're done. I think that's it. The only other episode was from your daughter, wasn't it? Which was what's my favourite episode of The Mighty Boosh. Yeah. And that's too hard. See, that's Milky Joe. Yeah, it probably is Milky Joe. I think Eels is the funniest episode. <laughs> when I think about it, I was thinking about it today, and I'm like, it has the hitcher pissing in Howard's face. It has Rich Fulcher dressed as a lady saying, hello. It has, I'm going to rough you up. Are they your Are they your knees or something? Like, are they your real knees? Like, what a great line. It also has all the shaman going on a stag weekend. Like, it, that's probably yes, is that's the funniest. Right. It's probably the funniest. Uh, I like the episode with Bolo because... It's got the mirror world and yep. and death driving mini cabs and how's your Pauline? She's all right. She's dead, which I say to Noel all the time. How's your Pauline? She's all right. She's dead. And I'm a Cockney. I'm a Cockney. Rich Fulcher pretending to be a Cockney is hilarious. Yeah. Apples and pears. <laughs> That's. Right. I was at the shops to, at the shops today, literally buying fruit and apples and pears with extra. And I was saying apple and pears. I'm a Cockney. I'm a Cockney. Like that episode, but it's probably Milky Joe. It's a how. It's a great exercise in where it ends. Yes. Of doing it in increments so that by the end, the, this island is populated with oh, coconut it's, creatures. It's just, it's just wonderful. And I always forget how quick that happens. Like yes. It starts so slowly where he makes Milky <laughs> Joe and he's going to just talk about Sartre and how boring. And just, yeah, that's probably the... The ship on the horizon. Yeah, the ship on the horizon, Breakfast Bob. Um and the isolation song is probably the best song they yeah. wrote. Yeah, yeah. Um, Just doing cutting the cutting the hair. Yeah, yeah. The midnight barber. Midnight, midnight barber. Oh, yeah, all Walking of that. Plank. The, yeah. The, <laughs> the what was it? The new wave castaway oh. bamboo drain pipe pants and give, giving the dude a mullet. The mullet's a classic cut. It's back. It's ahead of its time. He was ahead of his time. Um, and, and and Howard saying thanks, enemy. <laughs> yeah. just yeah just a great uh, just a great exercise and just yeah probably Bolo as well because Vince in the mirror world sounds like a pretty happy place for him to be and if you stand in one spot you can see his hair from every angle it's Mr. Susan right yeah Mr. Susan Mr. Susan and his shiny mirror balls look at them shine this is where we'll end the episode look at them shine (laughs) she sprays them and then they shine Uh, yes anyway Wow. 100, 100. Yeah, 100. It's two parts. Wow. It's too long. I'm going to have to put in two parts. 100 and 101. I, I feel I've gone through time. Isn't that the line from <laughs> old Greg? Oh, gone through time. Um, yeah, this. I'm going to record an ending later. Yeah, of course. Because it's, Thanks for having me on episode 100. Oh, man, we started it. We did number one. You've hosted them all. It's, it's fun. It's been a wacky adventure. I can't believe we got to 100. And like I said, I'll have a little rest. Uh, and then I'll just do more and I'll get to you. If you want to be on the episodes and you made it this far, just tell me. Don't be like, oh, no, I've got nothing. I've told it. How many times have I told it? I've done 100 episodes. I don't know how many guests. I probably should have written that down. Probably like 60 different people. Like each one of them said, oh, no. Don't, don't think you're being like egotistical or are you going to say, can I come on the podcast? And I'd be like, no. I don't know if you've have you got anything to add. No, I don't think no, you, you don't do. pass. Yeah, no. I mean, that's what <laughs> you can see it as me saying, I've got no standards. Whoever wants to be on the podcast is on the podcast. 
it's a good way to end it. Thank you. 